Okay, so we're live. It's on the air. Welcome to the Make It Stack podcast, episode number eight. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Will. Thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure, actually. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad yeah. that you've managed to uh, take, take some time out of your busy student calendar to, uh, to talk to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry it had to be virtual. It would have been nice to be in kind of God's own, God's own country and doing it up in Yorkshire, but... Well, next time when we get a bit more of a vision on the pod, we'll be able to fly you out here. Okay, yeah, that'd be good. Give you the corporate package. Yeah, you can get me a chopper, no worries. Great, so, um, yeah, for, for those of you that don't know Sandy, um, he, he's a friend of Joe's, who's my co-host today. Um, so, do you want to just, like, just give yourself a bit, of, a bit of an introduction, a bit of background about yourself, um, you know, where yeah, you're cool. from, and, you know, where, where you you can see yourself going in the future yeah of course yeah so uh, as yeah as will mentioned i went to i went to school with joe um some pieces from uh god's own country as mentioned yorkshire um i'm now at university of bath um studying my final degree of business um but really what's kind of me and joe have really kind of enjoyed doing for the last probably five six years has been kind of doing our own kind of little entrepreneurial things so I kind of dabbled in a couple of e-commerce, um, eBay ventures over the years and managed to save up, save up some funds, um, which hopefully I'm going to turn into a bit of a, bit of a portfolio. That's the, that's the plan. Bit of a, bit of a property portfolio. A bit of, a bit of um, background on, because I know it's something I find super interesting, is your, the, um, your super deep in flipping, it seems, because that seems to be, well, at least, at least, from yeah. the past four years, minus perhaps, I guess you, you had phone cases and things, but you seem to be quite deep on flipping, so buying, selling, taking a margin, yeah. versus actually building out like a new product or a brand and stuff. It's, it's yeah. like utilizing eBay and, and kind of yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to do more of the um, building out a brand, but obviously i start yeah as you say i started out flipping so it's probably what i have experienced most most in it's probably what i find easiest to make money in but obviously it's quite um it's very transactional isn't it just to jump in quickly sandy uh, just for the listener yeah. could you just explain briefly what flipping is because i feel like some people um myself included uh, to be honest may not be uh, too clued up on that yeah so 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 obviously there's just like buying and selling things um for example i used to do jackets um high-end jackets so literally just going around trying to find jackets for two three hundred pounds that has potential to sell for six seven hundred pounds so that i suppose that's one type of flipping that i did uh, another type I don't, you, i'm sure you probably come across as well is drop shipping mm-hmm. uh, which basically um similar concept but um not actually having the product in stock so you list and sell the items and then when when someone buys it you just um it goes direct from 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 the factory to the customer so i suppose that that's another another type of flipping but and when did you get in on as, dropshipping? when when when, when, well, when did you do when did you kind of figure it out that you could um buy it in china and, and and do that because it's it's now so it's so commoditized. But if you're relatively early on it, even if you weren't early, but even if you're in the first, I don't know, three, four years of it, I, I feel like there was loads of opportunity in the market. 
Whereas if you go into it now, yeah. it feels like every, everyone, every man and his dog's trolled Alibaba on AliExpress and has yeah. down. Yeah. I mean, I think it probably helped the fact that I, I, used to, uh, I used to buy stuff from AliExpress in like year seven anyway. I used to buy like kind of yeah, yeah, hunting yeah. knives and stuff. I used to buy hunting knives. So I was already, I was already kind of familiar with the fact that there was this kind of Chinese eBay out there, which was potentially cheaper. There's yeah. kind of a bit of a what was it called arbitrage opportunity yeah. basically, and and then and then from, yeah, but so it was the signs obviously that that I was mainly involved with. So I, I think I just I, I, I saw it. I think I just saw it on AliExpress and just gave it a quick search on eBay. Wasn't much on in in the way, and then gradually just build up the um the number of stuff I stocked over the next few months. Yeah, and it kind of did pretty well. Uh, yeah, because I remember telling a story to Will Edwards. <laughs> I was in probably first year or second year uni, and it was when you just started doing science. So, yeah, possibly yeah. second year, maybe first year actually. And um, and you, you yeah, I can't remember. You kind of gave me a bit of a rundown of of the numbers you were doing. And I remember saying to Will, my fucking mate from from home is absolutely killing it selling LED signs. Uh, on <laughs> and um, yeah, no, they're, they're still doing okay. They're still yeah, yeah, doing well, exactly. okay. As you as you say, it's a lot more. Um, it's a lot more kind of commercialized now you know it's much harder to, to do that kind of thing now but. yeah and in terms of flipping what was what was your biggest what was your biggest fuck you flip what was the what was in, t- in terms of what did you buy <laughs> and, you. Joyce, I'll, I'll, yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you some quite funny items that i've that i've uh drop shipped over the years right so um i've done i don't know like Moe Chandon um, hairspray bottles. They were quite good. Quite a good hit. So little, it's a kind of hairspray bottles for um, salons. In yeah. The shape of a Moe, the shape of a okay. Chandon bottle. <laughs> they were quite a big hit. Um, cigar tubes. I'm sure there's been some really weird stuff. Uh, yeah, all sorts. Yeah, yeah. But well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure none of my none of my deals have been as big as big as stash goes, To be honest, Joe. So no, but it's it's interesting because flip. The thing is with flipping is that it doesn't require. Um, it requires an an eye for it, but um, it doesn't necessarily. You 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 kind of using the eBay marketplace, and so you don't need to you don't need to like find. You don't need to cover the groundwork. Do you? Just you can buy and sell, and and the whole thing can happen in a week. Um. Which, yeah, I can't remember. What yeah. I've flipped and done really well on. No, it's a, it's a, it's a good platform, isn't it? They, I mean, they charge. They, they charge a fair whack. Yeah, yeah. What do you say, sir? You can side hustle the yeah. shit. Like, it's, I think that's why Depop, yeah. the guys that have built out these Depop empires, is happening because it's just like, it's just a flip. And, um, yeah. And it seems to be a really successful thing, yeah. Uh, and so, Sandy, do you feel like uh, flipping is is a sustainable uh, source of income for someone looking to go full time on it, or do you think it's pretty high risk for anyone to like completely nail um, the to the mast and just go for it? I don't. Th- no, I think it is relatively sustainable. To be fair, if you if you know if you if you take the time to build it up, and uh, I, I mean, I mean, there's obviously if you're literally doing it by yourself, there's a limit to how much you're going to make. Um, because of, I suppose, there's, you can only buy what's available on the market. So, for, so for example, I don't know if, if you know Will, but my younger brother started doing um, flipping golf clubs, mm. and like he's, he's doing pretty well. But like the the thing that stops him getting bigger is the fact that um, 
you know, there are only a limited number of opportunities to buy them at good good prices per per week. So no matter how yeah. much he looks like, he, he can only buy perhaps two or three sets a week. And I found that was the same with a lot of my stuff. But I suppose if you're talking about drop shipping, there's there's you could scale up. Yes, it's, it's a supply issue on flipping. Um, yeah, and and this is what one of the guys that I one of the, sort of the, the business gurus that I was I follow was talking about how. Um, the guys that are doing, doing sneakers, so they can get their hands on a, a hot pair of J's and can yeah. 500 quid, 500 quid markup, whatever, but they can only get one pair. Whereas um, sports cards and Pokemon cards is that if you have a hunch on, it's more, it's more kind of more hunchy on the stuff's going to go up in value, but they've been selling for tens of thousands of dollars, some sports cards. And so if you've got a hunch that, I don't know, some like limited edition Kobe Bryant is going to, you know, go up in the next three months, you can actually stockpile 400 of them and they can okay. you and stuff like that. And so that's quite an interesting, you know, just that you can actually know in the market. Isn't it? Yeah. There's the mm. supply issue in golf clubs and that sort of thing. But whereas there perhaps isn't the same supply issue with them. Um, yeah. With no, I, yeah. I, I think, I think you can, I think, yeah, I think, if, yeah, if you choose your markets, I mean, yeah, if you've got a supply issue in golf clubs, then just enter into a, a, a different but a cricket bat market do you know what I mean so I, yeah, I, I suppose that's not really that's not really a barrier is it no but you're actually, it's, it's taking the time to figure it out you know who's buying what at what price which isn't necessarily a bad thing but that, that's quite yeah, an interesting I, point Joe because I feel like with flipping we started the conversation by saying it's kind of like an arbitrage thing where like you know you can get something low and sell it high with a relatively yeah. risk free kind of um, scenario but I guess, I guess what yep. you're saying is that you're going into more of the territory where you're like, right, I think this is going to appreciate in value. So like expectations are like yeah, getting, no, getting into the equation. Yeah, it's no, a bit more complex. Right. That's it? true. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah that's a fair, fair comment. But it's I would, bloody, pretty, pretty hard work to, um, to, to make a full-time living off like flipping physical objects like on, on eBay. I think like mm. you'd have to, you'd be, yeah, I'd be trawling the internet 24 seven and you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't be turning over kind of much more than, no, 30, so you wouldn't be making more than perhaps 20, 30, 40 grand a year, would you? Yeah, be, so I think you can top out. Yeah, massively. But I think so. I think as a side hustle, it could work quite well. But I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a side build hustle. A, build a career. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, sort of get, getting, on, getting on from that, um, you've recently branched out into real estate from Flip. I have, yeah. Uh, which which yeah. I must say is, is a very, very good achievement for. For a man of your age, um, but um, <laughs> do you want to just um, sort of talk about um, why you decided to go into real estate as, as a kind of asset to, to, to get returns, and what, what was it that made you, yeah, do that? Yeah, of course. So, so obviously, yeah, so obviously, you guys have had it come from a bit of a real estate background. So obviously, Joe and I have always kind of we've always, we've always kind of chatted about it, haven't we? So it's, been, it's always been something that kind of to consider. Um, so I, 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 the property that I bought is a student rent rental. So I suppose the first time I really thought about it was when I was paying for my own student house and just like calculating how much of, like of a rip off it is compared to um, if the house was to be rent, rented to like a family. You know, you almost pay like the same monthly rent per room than it would be if it was the whole house. Mm. So then after that, I, um, kind of. Saw, saw saw dollar signs saw, saw dollar signs so to speak and then um had a little bit of look over and research over the next kind of couple of years 
before before diving in. And, yeah, and just an interesting point off off that um, is from the research that you did. How many university towns did you find that it was to um, have tenancies which didn't run over the summer? Because I know some places are like that, as standard, but, but Reading wasn't, and, and, and I don't think Bristol was. So, did so you Ross, is how many, how, how many university towns? Yeah, because so, I'm pretty sure that some, some university towns have as like a norm that they don't take money over summer because the students aren't living there. Okay, yeah. You, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which ones do, but it is. It does seem obvious that there's there's very different um, approaches towards the student houses in, e- in each town, like you say. For example, in, in Bath, where I am at the moment, you even bills is never included in any of the rents, like yeah. never. But in but in Lancaster, where I've purchased, you you won't find anywhere that doesn't have bills included. Yeah, and. Yeah, in Lancaster there tend to be eleven months, but it is it is it is unusual, isn't it? How the they're, they're very kind of geographical, massively, yeah. So, 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 Sandy, what was kind of your approach in in sort of finding the house that you ended up buying? Because you know, like the the student housing market is is pretty huge. Um, yeah. How did you how did you go about sort of that sort of well, I suppose top down approach by you know selecting selecting a city yeah. and then selecting a property like did you have a particular framework that you yeah. used uh didn't have i didn't have a framework no i, I like you say yeah the, f- the first thing was choosing a city i thought um and then the criteria for choosing city was probably needed to be within a couple of hours drive um needed to be have, have universities obviously that were of decent standards um and then the main the main thing that i feel was is quite tricky is finding a place that the student houses are actually decent value which discounts a lot of them you know especially in the south um and obviously where, where we are in harrogate there's not a huge abundance of them but like yeah places like manchester very expensive so like those i, I discredited those i suppose straight away um and then when i became set on lancaster um i suppose i did research into kind of the the the, the, good, the good areas and then kind of just bided my time just checking checking right move going to viewings every t- i went over there a couple of times you learn a bit more every time about kind of what to look for etc um but it, yeah it's kind of a top-down approach i suppose um choosing the location first and then yeah and how much did sort of the potential rental yield come into the equation surely you would have looked at you know what students were paying and whether or not that was feasible for the property that you were looking at yeah yeah no yeah i forgot to mention that um that's definitely a big thing but again you have these disparities because um you know you have houses in bath here that are worth five hundred thousand quid and you'll pay uh, 90 a week and then in lancaster you have these houses that are worth one hundred and forty thousand. you're paying 75 a week and, you know what I mean like and, and the reason, that, the and the reason that, that is I think it's because the government student loan situation is essentially fucking students in many yeah. places yeah. just because the, I was speaking to this girl one of um, uh, one of Katie's friends and she, uh, and she was like saying that oh yeah I was at university in Leeds blah 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 and she was talking about the rent and stuff and I was just like let me guess mm-hmm. how much it cost and I'd like I was like, I guess probably like 400 quid. She was like, yeah, it was 400 quid. And it's because it's pegged against what the university, what uh, this, the government's giving out. And so basically, okay. the charge yeah. what students can afford 
Um, and then, so that doesn't matter if the house is worth 120,000, 500,000, yeah. the student can't afford to pay more. And so the landlord charges that. And so it's this like, it's this really situation where it's, it's, the, it's the government by giving out money, letting students, it's kind of giving students the opportunity, which is great, but it's also fucking students in, on price. And that's the same as yeah. the university system, why everything's at 9,250 9, quid per year. It's, uh, it's just a fuckery. But I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. And that's probably right, isn't it? it? Yeah, you mean, yeah, you you can't charge three times the the rent because just no one's going to pay it. You just can't, they can't, yeah, they don't have the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so it's quite an interesting thought to think. Um, and there's, I listened to a podcast talking about um, the, particularly the US market and um, about the student loan system there. And it, I mean, that's even worse because it's more expensive in the US. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I when I was at Bristol Uni a couple of years ago, I was paying four hundred pounds a month, which yeah. is exactly what you yeah, said yeah. a couple of minutes ago. And you had um, a great house and a good location. Yeah, yeah Bristol's not and, cheap, and, is it? Yeah, and they'd Bristol be won't be cheap at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, from the from the students that I knew at the time, everyone was paying four hundred pounds plus or minus twenty pounds. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah. it was very bunched together, and and that was kind of regardless of how nice your student house was. So there'd be some people that were in a really really bad house, paying. Yeah, pay yeah. Me, he was pretty fortunate. So I, I think yeah. Jeff, you're absolutely right in the sense that um, it's all being driven by the extent to which government subsidies and in individuals. Yeah, well, it's just yeah. students get X, and then landlords are like, oh, what can they afford? Just prices just ticked up, ticked up, ticked yeah. up, and then yeah. and then they're just. I mean, you know, I mean. Fair enough if you can if you exploit it, but it's you know, I think it's a, not a failing because it's giving students opportunities, yeah. But it's interesting to think about. So, so Sandy, have you, have you? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sandy. Well, I was just saying, yeah, I was just saying, I think, um, the only, the only downside, I suppose, to investing in like a dive property is that if the um, kind of supply and demand comes off a little bit, i.e., the supply increases in demand decreases then you could be stuck in a bit of a rut can you so yeah i think it's worth I don't, I don't think it's worth going at the absolute bottom end of the market because then it's you're always going to it's worth paying i think it's worth paying a bit more to have um kind of the peace of mind that your property is going to be easily rented out you know what i mean yeah 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 absolutely and, and sandy have, have you done any sort of calculations to kind of generate a ballpark estimate as to what kind of yield you can expect um you know in terms of income because yeah. i suppose from like an investing standpoint, that would be really useful for, for listeners. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, gross, gross yields. Um, it's, I think it's around 11%, something like that fully occupied or perhaps 11 or 12%. Okay. Um, but then obviously if you've got net yield, which is probably more like seven, uh, say 6%, but then obviously that's, uh, assuming that you pay for the whole thing in cash. If you have a mortgage, then you can gear that up slightly. So, yeah, so gross yield about 12, net about 7%. But if you have, uh, say, a 25% mortgage, then that's probably going to be more like 12% net, 13% net. Do you know what uh, I mean? So, I so, so basically, are you saying that when you're... If you paid in all like, cash, yeah. Yeah, so, so if, if you're borrowing money to buy the house, does that mean that the yield is, is higher as a result? Is that, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I can't, yeah, yeah, uh, I can't remember exactly how much, but yeah, it's, it, I think the net yield probably jumps from somewhere like 6 or 7 to 12, 13. But obviously it depends how much you borrow. That's probably okay. based on 25% deposit, something like that. 
but it's pretty. It's it's, it's not it's not a bad return if you if we're talking twelve percent per year, and then that's not including uh, potential capital growth as well. Yeah, actually, I mean that was going to be my next question. I mean, with with student yeah. properties, is is sort of the capital growth quite sluggish when compared to other types of residential property or commercial property? Because um, I mean, from my perspective as a student, you can tell what the student streets are like because they kind of always stay the same. So, do, do you think the capital there's capital growth uh, that you can uh, account for? Um, not, I'm not. I'm not sh- quite sure, really. Um, I suppose if it, if if it was a dive location, then the capital growth is probably just going to increase with the rate that the rents are increasing, isn't it? Okay. Okay. But but yeah. So just so I was uh, the the one the property that I've gone for is is more of a like it could it could easily be sold as a residential property as well. So I'm hoping that I don't have that issue that it, it, it the property that I purchase should just increase with the local market. It shouldn't be stuck in kind of a studenty yeah like bracket. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's probably likely as well. Not that I'm talking from any research or experience here. I just think it's likely to follow the market. Like if if the UK or yeah. like even the so. sort of micro macro like North Yorkshire house prices or wherever it is go go up. Yeah. Just is like I think that's likely to affect the property, um, irrespective of its kind of use. Yeah. And things I don't know. That would be my take, but it's a hot take. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree. You can, ch- you mean you can change uses, can't you? And it- yeah. But um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's not like I mean, one of those, could- it's not like one of those weird student houses where it's like they've kind of put loads of you know partitions to make to to basically get the x number of bedrooms in because that was what it was like yeah. room, where they've made rooms artificially small um yeah no there's a lot of that going on at the moment isn't there that it's kind of part pile them up bed house and house, you just divide every room by two yeah well, yeah well the room that, that could be done i will turn all turn them all into ensuite as well so, yeah single bed single bed in the toilet <laughs> you, as soon as as soon as you, as soon as you write ensuite in you can charge uh 50% more rent so yeah, there you go yeah easy that's the strategy yeah there's a lot of that going on um yeah like on the, on the on the street that i've purchased on there's you can you can, you kind of walk you walk down the street and you can see in the living rooms these kind of ensuite bathrooms uh ensuite bedrooms in the, in the living room mm. where the living room used to be yeah. people are milking milking sweating the assets aren't they yeah yeah i mean i guess we haven't really talked about this um before but obviously with covid there's going to potentially be falling numbers in stu- uh, falling numbers of students you know maybe wanting to have lectures at home instead and, and not move into housing yeah, yeah, have, yeah. You, have you have you like looked into the potential implications of, of covid and whether that will affect holding real estate for students um i think it probably has affected the, the uh, real estate market for students because there was a, there, there did seem to be a bit of a sell-up um i was what i've been watching the lancaster market quite closely and there's there's very limited supply um and it, during covid there has been a bit of a release yeah. and i spoke i spoke to a landlord who kind of who had those fears and liquidated everything she had she owned um I, it's, of course it is it is definitely a risk but i mean i i my my, my gut feeling was that m- most people were going to return to normal even foreign students just from kind of the foreign students that i know they're all back here uh, um, but i'm sure it, i'm sure it does i'm sure it has decreased the demand somewhat mm. yeah it's going to be interesting but, to see how it plays out because um there's, there's yeah, yeah. a um 
real estate investment trust that's listed on the FTSE 250. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's actually, its name actually escaped me, um, but it's basically trading at a fairly, fairly hefty discount. Um, okay. So, so it's going to be interesting to see if, if these kind of um, securities kind of go back to net, net asset value. It seems like investors are pricing in there to be a bit of a rough, rough times. But, but, yeah, but I, guess, yeah. I guess from your perspective, if, if, you, if you only own the one property, you know, there's potentially a lot of scope to generate higher returns. And if you're just holding like, you know, an investment trust where you sort of have broad exposure, maybe, maybe if you pick the right house, yeah. hopefully it'll be tickety-boo. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> if you've got a yeah. portfolio which has like 32,000 beds, which I think this, this particular group yes. does, yeah. looking at like macro changes in, in student numbers will affect that. Whereas if you've got one property or like, let's say three, four, five properties in one location, then I think, or a couple of locations, then I think you're, you know, if you're, it can decline three five percent but then that, you know, you can still snag people with, you know, various bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. It, the, yeah. the, the real estate trust that you mentioned was, is that, is that a um, student property specialist? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it has a certain name, and then student properties PLC, and it's I think it's got yeah. it's, I think it's got a I think it's got a market cap think, like five hundred million or something. So it's yeah, I think I, I, yeah, I think I might have, I think I've owned some of those before actually. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's just the perfect segue into the next section of the podcast, uh, which was basically uh, <laughs> which was which was basically your kind of uh, investing history from a kind of buying and selling equities and and, and bonds, etc. Because um, I, I know, yeah. I know, Joe's told me that you have sort of dabbled in in various aspects of the market. So I was, I was hoping you could uh, yeah. maybe, maybe go into detail there. Sandy. Sandy's been the man. You've been, you've been <laughs> investing since, since you know, I was in detention. So, so you've, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been, try, I've, I've been trying my best. I, I, I wouldn't say that um, <laughs> investing is my forte at all, but I enjoy it. So, it, it, let's, what if we, if we wind back? Because I know at school you were you were um, investing, or like you know at least taking some. You were you were involved to some degree um, in the management of whatever your money and stuff. And so it'd be interesting if you can give a little bit of context to kind of when you started being slightly involved. Warts and all, Sandy. Warts and yeah. all. Do it for the listeners. What do you say? Warts and all. Warts and all. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a, it's a phrase. Yeah, it was. It's you know the good, the bad, the ugly, just all sides. Oh, okay. I think Oliver Cromwell yeah, been... that when someone had to take pain. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. There's been a couple of uglies. Yeah. So, well, obviously you guys know that my, my, my dad works in uh, his investment management. So he, he was kind of the one, I suppose, who uh, got me interested in it. But yeah, so, so having a bit of spare cash from, from the flipping, you don't want to see it just sitting in your bank account, do you? So I just kind of asked, yeah, I just spoke to my dad really, I suppose, about what what can be done with it and then got involved in a couple of stocks um house builders i think was quite quite keen on mm. um but yeah i mean I, I i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pretend that i've done fantastically well out of my investments so but um no to be fair, I, I i previously i had the approach that I, I was much more risky now i think probably speaking to you guys and speaking to will I'm a lot more um, inclined just to kind of sit on the market, sit, sit, sit with the market. Yeah. All oh, right. So, so, so are you saying that um, sort of at the start of your investing sort of yeah. career, shall we say, you were very much like yeah. not picking direct exposure yeah. to a company and, and now you kind of take more of a broad brush approach? 
precisely yeah 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 I, I, that's exactly right yeah so are you, are you, are you di- disinvesting divesting now um with a view to getting more like you know trackers and more exposure to kind of the broader market yeah 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 exactly yeah just yeah. A bit, basically not being exposed in a single um kind of in a single equity yeah, had a, bit, had, had a bit of a shocker with um, Imperial, Imperial Tobacco. <laughs> I was telling you about story because I remember <laughs> I was in the, I was in the, this was a couple. I knew this was a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago. Yeah. We were sat in the car and we were chatting about it. And you, yeah. the thing is, in all these AGMs and annual reports stuff, it's only ever good news. And uh, and then I, I yeah, know no, you're right. Well, you're and right. you're just like yeah. So the stock market, the stock price has gone down quite a lot, but you know I've just. I think you almost said double. I've doubled down. I put more money in because the price was yeah. Like, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, a year and a half ago. I think it's a bit of a bit of a Warren Warren Buffett analogy. Just try. I just I just want to try to get one more draw out of the cigar. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I mean, it's it's, but, quite, it's quite funny. I mean, it, so it sounds to me like you, you're kind of um, well, you were at least a sort of value investor where. You know, oh, yeah. looking at companies that, that, you know, were trading at a low PE ratio and, and had pretty good sort of accounting fundamentals uh, rather yeah, than yeah. kind of like racy tech stocks that, that some others would, would uh, be interested in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 I still would massively consider myself a value investor. However, I've, I've kind of realized that I, I don't have the expertise or kind of capabilities to, to go after and kind of value invest and stock pick an entire portfolio of stocks so especially when when you've got other stuff going on it's uh, speaking to you uh, I, I think i've just decided it's much better just to we'll just broadly diversify slash go for the kind of vanguard trackers that yeah because you you like the tech stock don't you will yeah well i mean i i am sort of proud tesla holder um which yeah. recently underwent the um five for one stock split um and yeah, yeah it's kind of going up and up it's kind of like a melt up as opposed to a meltdown uh, yeah. but but i mean uh, yeah i mean in, in terms does of it concern uh, you? sorry does it concern you the, the kind of the, the the extent to which it has gone up in the last literally 18 months or not i mean i i think i i mean the amount has gone up is staggering um but i i try and have like a, a quite a long-term view um and i i feel yeah. like tesla if, if it executes its business plan effectively, it, it could really sort of become uh, a, an awesome brand on a global basis. And I think we've only just seen the start of, of electric cars, really. So there's so much yeah. growth yeah, yeah. feeling. And, um, you know, e- everyone's interested in tech. Um, and I can't, see, I can't see it disappearing. So for that reason, I'm, I'm, I'm staying in, really. And yeah, yeah. also just, just going on from that, I mean... Um, Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, which is uh, managed by Bailey Gifford. Um, yeah. They're one of the, the largest investment trusts in the UK. And 13% of the net asset value of the investment trust is in Tesla. Really? It just goes to show you know, how much conviction they, as, 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 a, as a sort of uh, prof- institution, a professional investor, you know, have in Tesla. Yeah. So that in itself is kind of yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I was reading about, oh no, I was listening to something talking about Tesla and uh, how well it's done and how well Apple's done and how well all those stocks, those, that kind of group of big tech has done. And, and he was saying that it could potentially largely be down to an influx of loads, of more, loads more retail investors that are kind of managing their own money in. Mm. 
in yeah 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 so they're like oh i'm gonna go and chuck some money in tesla because i i've you know, read some article about it and i don't want to make them sound dumb because it would be smart if you did that 12 months ago or six months ago or two mm. months ago but it's it might be the rise of the retail investor driving up stocks because i know mark Bourne, you know the idol of big short he had a he had a short position about 12 months ago uh, or maybe 18 months ago in tesla and just got so out of it because the market it just kept going up and up and up and he was saying yeah, yeah. it's so difficult to short a hype stock because the, the, yeah. it, you know everyone it basically just goes one way and if you're shorting it then you know yeah. so, so one of the it's, reasons it's quite- I, one of the reasons that i think you should never really short a stock unless unless you're like a professional and like a, a hedge fund or something mm. is is just like the 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 return profile is so different because if you if you go long on a stock it your essential upside is is infinite whereas um, if you're if you're shorting a stock, you can, it can only really go to zero. So that that's the that's the maximum amount you can make um, in like a non-leveraged sort of position. So yeah. for that reason, that makes me really like uninclined to short a stock. Basically, yeah. That kind of profile. Yeah, I agree. But also just the fact that you look at historically stocks go up every year. So you're betting against you're you're. It's basically like playing roulette, isn't it? You're the the odds are not. They're below 50 yeah. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, but unless you have kind of some kind of inside scoop. Yeah, or you're very talented and you kind of... Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, just going back to what you... What you're, sorry, Will. No, you no, the point you're saying, it's, quite, it's quite difficult, isn't it, to go into like a stock like Tesla um, from a value investing perspective because it... it it, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, so your opinion is that it, yes, it could be overvalued currently, but it doesn't really matter because you know it might be twenty percent, thirty percent overvalued now, but it's the long term prospects, which is why you're buying it. And so, it, do you know it, what I mean? It, exactly. Yeah. Different. I mean, there's this there's this ratio that's being thrown a lot uh, around sort of various platforms and marketing sections, which is uh, price to earnings to growth ratios. So like oh, okay. price earnings is like how expensive the share is for its level of earnings. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. but if but so say say the PE ratio is really high, it looks expensive. But but say they're doubling earnings every year in oh, like yeah, five yeah. years down the line, you're actually going in at a really good entry point. So so yeah, price yeah. earnings to growth is like a super super hot ratio that that um you know people people can use as as, as various sort of metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's interesting that. So yeah, like the, the I suppose you could do the same thing for a company like Imperial Tobacco. It's like a price to earning to contraction. Like it's it's like, it's like you know that they're going to shrink five their revenue their profits are going to shrink say five percent every year, mm-hmm. but their price earnings is ridiculously low at like say eight. So it's kind of like it's, it's kind of the opposite end, isn't it? You can you can you can use the same tact for for the the shrinking industries as well. Exactly, and also with these companies like. Uh, Imperial Tobacco and Bats, etc. They 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 yeah. tend to provide pretty good income. So you know if yeah. you, if you can buy a stock at, at, a, at a pretty good level, the the actual dividend yield could be quite high, assuming they can actually pay out those dividends. So, so yeah. from like an income generation perspective, it, it could be quite handy. But I mean, for, for me and potentially you guys, like in, income isn't really kind of an option. Like I'm I'm not really looking for for, for dividend income at, at the moment. But um, I guess as we get on. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a pension, it's a pension play, isn't it? It's a it's a really popular like kind of pension. Sit it in the pension and and let it produce a bit of a coupon every year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like I mean, uh, defined benefit pension funds. They 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 kind of need contractual sources of return to pay members. 
Um, so, yeah. like, so like pension funds, like they, they love like buying fixed income securities and, and like high yielding um, equities and things like that. So, so yeah, d- definitely. Um, but I guess they need some, to make uh, sorry, sorry, Sandy. They need to make payday. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be going into the PPF or, or, uh, <laughs> or payment protection fund and, and not getting pension. Uh, yeah. Have you got a favourite? Have you got a favourite fund at the moment, you guys? Favourite? Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask. To be fair, my favourite fund is the uh, the UBS S and P 500 tracker. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you love it. Well, it's it's kind of endorsed by Warren Buffett, saying you know, um, if you, essentially if you're an idiot, you just buy buy an S and P 500 tracker and you'll be fine. So I'm an idiot. That sounds sounds like a good idea. Um, you know, that's very, that's very self-aware, Joe. Yeah, but I've got yeah, but no, I probably what's my I've got um BlackRock Consensus 100 is my largest holding currently, um makes up a third of my my portfolio essentially. So that's oh, wow. like, it's just like a global exposure to you know funds essentially. Yeah, it's kind, it's kind of it's kind of like a multi-asset fund which which has exposure to like predominantly equities yeah i think there might be a tiny bit in like real estate but i might actually yeah, be wrong there. yeah. and it's just um, a bit it's you know if yeah. it's better that goes up it's kind of that kind of vibe so so sandy um what, what's in your portfolio at the moment if you don't mind me asking um not 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 much to be fair because i had to had to take a fair chunk out to buy to buy the property but imperial imperial brand imperial tobacco is still sitting there waiting <laughs> Wait for the good old days. Um, I got a cup. Yeah, have you even gone to a general meeting yet? <laughs> no, I'll have to, I'll have to get myself down. Where, where everyone has cigars. It's just like, like a general. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah I'll, I'll stand up and have a have a have a have a row at the CEO. Yeah, you need to change the way you're running this company. Why the profit still going up? In fact, have the profit's been going up. Is it been get? Is it? Is it? Or is it just? Is it? Well, I think it's been hammered. Yeah, I think it has been hammered quite unnecessarily. To be fair, the profits have like not changed that much. But mm-hmm. like you say, well, I've uh, I've probably clipped like thirty percent return just in, in dividends already. So like, mm-hmm. the, the you know the longer you hold it, even if the price just stays still, like you you're probably going to get your money back eventually. It's just uh, a bit of a, it's a bit of a waiting game. That's the kind of because when you're looking at. The general market, you kind of see these sexy, sexy Tesla stocks doubling up in two months or whatever it is, um, and then actually thinking about kind of like uh, imperial imperial brands just paying out dividends, and they're really good on that. And, yeah. You know, so that's interesting. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, and just going on from that, Joe, um, it, it's quite interesting because if you look at like the FTSE 100 chart, it, it, it's basically the price index over time. So it, it doesn't actually the performance doesn't account for. <laughs> income reinvestment uh, so so if, if you had a FTSE 100 uh, index oh uh, yeah price and then you like superimpose the FTSE 100 with dividends reinvested the charts will just like diverge on a massive yeah. scale like the, the longer you hold it for so I, I think yeah income certainly needs to be a factor in, in investors so um looking to, oh, yeah. to make decisions uh, and and yeah yeah right. yeah I did. The, yeah, I, I had the same kind of thought because I, I was looking at the um, the Dow Jones chart next to the FTSE 100 charts and had the same kind of thinking. I was like, bloody hell! Like the S and the, the the Dow is multiplied by four times, uh, and, and and the FTSE's gone up say 80. percent But then, yeah. yeah, like you say, after a bit of digging, you realise that the US stocks aren't big on dividends, where the FTSE's hugely dividends. Uh, so then, once once, yeah. once you take that into account, it's 
the DAO has done much better, but like yeah. it balances yeah. out much more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never actually I've never actually thought about it like that. Um, but yeah, so the the, the FTSE 100 is actually one of the highest yielding uh, stock indices in the world. I think at the moment, like assuming yeah. if you if you look at say the the amount of earnings that were paid out and dividends over the last year, and look at the, yeah. the current price of FTSE trading at, it, it's like four percent or something. I mean, obviously, like previous income is not. In an indication of future income is going to be paid out. Yeah, yeah. If if we're going to go on that assumption, it is like a really good, um, you know, place to go for for income. And um, I think Peter Harbury oh, yeah. said, um, the the co-founder of Harbury Zanzan said that if you're looking for income, you, you can't go far wrong with like it with like a UK based uh, fund. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're they're so um, all the FTSE 100 constituents are so global anyway, aren't they? They're do you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. You're kind of getting to the global markets anyway, so it's not like you're stuck in. in the, 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 it's not. It's not super linked to the UK um, economy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, I, I, th I think I've read about this actually. I think something like seventy percent of of earnings of FTSE one hundred companies off the properties, and so I think yeah. there's yeah. this kind of phenomenon where, like, where there's like Brexit. And then the pound depreciates by like twenty percent, and then that basically bumps up the value of of, um, of overseas yeah. earnings in pounds. So, so yeah, yeah. really good for companies. So, is is there so many kind of opposing forces that oh, yeah. we need to kind of kind of navigate? And mm. um, just just going back to your portfolio, Sandy. So you said you had uh, Imperial Brands. Is is there any uh, other or funds that you hold? Any other funds or? Yeah, just 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 everything basically. Anything. You um, I own a couple of. Um, Bit of a mixture, really. A um, couple of uh, corporate bonds in there, kind of six percent yielding, like standard and chartered. They seem pr seem pretty solid. A um, couple of like small, very small, like punts. A uh, couple of like oil, like oil explorations and like early stage pharma companies. Joe's probably told. I'm I'm quite. <laughs> yeah. Done, done all right out of a, of a pharma company. That's. <laughs> Is that one of those like filthy aim listings that's like pre-revenue or something like? Oh uh, uh, well, 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 it, it was, it was when I first got onto it. Now it's a bit of a bit of a whale. Now it's uh, it's kind of it's listed oh. in the US now. It's got five hundred billion dollars revenue, but it, it did started out as that. It started out as that. So, so you, must, you must be sat on some fat percentage gains on that stock, then, Sunday. Um, probably like two, two and a half times, which but they um. So they did. They did a merger. They did. They did a um, reverse takeover with someone. So my so my so my shares got diluted, if you know what I mean. But still, two probably two and a half, three times what my initial investment was. I remember, so I remember, being, um, I remember being. I quite sold upset. it hard. Yeah, I remember being quite upset about that stock about three years ago. Probably saying you'd, you'd, you'd taken this this punt on this stock and it was down. And I can't. I can't remember. Were you down like twenty percent, thirty percent at one point? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I'm sure. It, I mean, like Will says, the the dirty aim stocks just go up and down like a yo-yo. Just yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, it's that's it's it. hilarious. You go you go on the kind of uh, chat rooms and uh, everyone's kind of like making making lots of loose remarks and stuff, saying, "Oh, this is nonsense," or "This is going to yeah. double tomorrow." It's yeah, quite. It's yeah, quite yeah. There's there's so much there's so much clickbait on the internet in terms of stocks that will like make you a millionaire by the time you're like yeah. 27. Like it's yeah. just unbelievable that these things get signed off because they're just so unethical. Yeah. And it, like they're, they're talking about buying like certain tech stocks 
uh, like large tech stocks that will make you, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's, it's, it's just yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? Like, if you don't have that much knowledge in this area, you're, you're going to get burned, potentially. Are you, are you not a man that would, would ever invest in, 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 in AIM, Will? Um, so I wouldn't say no to it. Um, at the moment, yeah. I don't have any sort of direct exposure to, to AIM. Um, I do yeah. have a FTSE 250 tracker, which is a, okay. bit, a, bit, a bit higher in terms, of, in terms of market cap. But yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in terms of aim, there's, there's certainly certainly diamonds to be found in there. Um, you just got to be, I guess you've got to be very careful. Bring it back to kind of flipping. Essentially, it's just you're just scanning the market, looking to find yeah. something that's that's kind of there 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 to be yeah. had. And, uh, yeah, ahead, I think without sounding too buffet on it, I think if I if I really understood the company and understood what they were doing and understood kind of the market and where they where they sat within that, then I think I would probably consider it. But I think. I, I, I can't see a situation where I would a be looking for something and look into it long enough to like figure it out. And so I think if something came across and I kind of understood what was going on, then maybe. But I don't. I don't know. I'm not that into like. I, don't, I just yeah. It's a riskier game. Yeah, it's, it's a riskier. riskier game. And I don't back myself in terms of my talent. Yeah, but in, in in terms of riskiness though, like if if as you know Warren Buffett said, if, if you kind of really poured over the annual accounts and you understood their source of revenue and their competitors, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you shouldn't be phased if the stock goes down by 50% because you have conviction um, in, yeah. in the fundamentals. And I, yeah, I, I yeah. might have been talking about this before, Joe, where it's where you, you buy a stock um, that you might think is a bit different, might be a diversifier in the portfolio. And then it goes down by fifty percent, but because you don't have that conviction in the, in the fundamental, yeah. that could lead you yeah, to yeah. potentially losing your nerve and exiting the position, um, which which obviously isn't isn't a good thing. Uh, to, to yeah, do. exactly, exactly. You need to you need to be confident, don't you, in the fundamentals and not panic. In yeah, exactly like you say. Uh, uh, um, apologies, lads. I've I had I had eighty percent charge and it's absolutely I've got one percent left now. Uh, oh no! Oh well. Uh, so I mean, we can see how we can see how, you can see how long it lasts if you want. Yeah. it's quite. Standing up, we're coming towards the end anyway. You're sat in a park and you're about to get you're about to get some some jobs are gonna nick your, nick your lunch money. <laughs> Sorry, uh, all, all of my assets are tied up in land and real estate uh, and equity. <laughs> The house, <laughs> write them a check maybe yeah um, I don't, yeah no yeah cash, anyway, cash, sadly, it's, cash it's been yeah it's been awesome to, to yeah. chat um yeah yeah it's been interesting yeah yeah awesome um well best of luck with your uh real estate ventures and your flipping ventures and thank um, you very much and and yeah get some passive exposure you can't go far wrong yeah, if you could, if you could, um, if you could chuck me a good kind of passive fund recommendation my way, that'd be much appreciated. I'll leave, I'll leave that in the in the comments description, but I'll I'll heavily caveat it that that it's non financial okay. advice. Okay. Do, do you? What's your what's your ongoing ongoing charge for kind of choosing the fund? To be confirmed. Okay. SJP standards. Yeah, we'll take that offline. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Mr. Sandy, uh, have a great evening and, and thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. It's Take good care. Fun. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.